very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, just go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. It's time that you give yourself the gift of truth. I would like to make a quick announcement for the benefit of those who may not be aware of the following. A few days ago, we lost an incredible human being and the kind of truth seeker who risked her life on a daily basis for sharing her truth. In fact, we may have lost her for that bravery as she was getting ready to publish a book titled Bright Light on Black Shadows. Man is a mind, not a body. I hope the book is finally published. We lost Dr. Rauni Lina Lucan and Kilde. I always remember our interaction offline and also on the three-hour interview we conducted during season one. If you haven't listened to that interview, I highly recommend that you do. It's one of the best. Since tonight we're discussing the topic of the afterlife or the beyond, I would like to dedicate tonight's program to the memory of our good friend, Dr. Rauni Kilde. During our interview, she discussed that many times she almost died. She came to the conclusion that there is no death. We simply go from one vehicle to another. Here are some words from that interview. I think that uh, when you think of the universe and development, and we are just like little ants, so why would we look at the ant hive and why would we sort of uh, be bad to them? We are interested, we're looking at them, they're very intelligent, they have a society, they have a queen, and they have babysitters, and they have first aid, and they have the whole thing. Why would we, why would we want to destroy them? No, no reason at all. Sometimes we may step on them, not uh, intentionally, but, you know, go the same way. Right. So I do think that the universe is really giving us a chance to develop our, our souls, our spirits, on this planet, and this planet is not one of the best in the world, but it is one of the most beautiful ones that I have, you know, have had experience of in dreams and in out-of-body experiences. When somebody's cloned, does that clone get a soul? Yeah, that is a thing that I have been asking myself many, many times. I remember when when Dr. Wolf was uh, dealing with clones, and he's written a book about it. And uh, he was uh, supposedly teaching ethics to a clone, which they called Joe. 
and and he was so good in teaching this male clone Joe Ethics that uh, when American military came and said kill that dog oh. he refused he refused and he was um, well taken care of because yes. they want rumba soldiers they don't want somebody who thinks yes. you know ethically killers so in that respect i would say that they do have a soul because like we have a soul and a body so a clone has a body so of course it also has a soul somebody's soul chooses to go there okay okay that's my opinion anyway dr kilde in all your years of research and after all your near-death experiences and attempts on your life what is your conclusion The conclusion is there is no death and we are not alone in the universe and we never have been. And you also said that even to those who hate us and want to see us dead, we need to send them love and light, right? That's right. Love and light and a really big big hug and a big big light because they need it badly. It's been a great privilege and an honor to have interviewed someone of your caliber, Dr. Kilde. Thank you, Mel. It's 1:20 a.m., so I'm going to go back to sleep and maybe get out of my body. So maybe <laughs> we would meet in space. Thank you very much. See you in my dreams. May you rest in peace, Dr. Rauni. There are five big questions related to the who, where, why, how, and when of death. Specifically, who in us dies or survives? Where do we go after death? Will we even go somewhere? Why do we die? What is the need and meaning of this event? How are we going to die? What passes in us when we die? When do we die? Is there a predetermined time? Can we change the time and effects of our death? Can we find answers in medical and biological knowledge? which is only limited to the material aspect of death and its physiological aspects. Death, however, is more than a physical phenomenon, but there are intangible aspects to the human being and mind, also called soul, and it must also be considered. We must consider that the mind has to be studied via a spiritual approach. This approach to death is broad and coherent and allows us to release all fears. And to tell us more, tonight's special guest is Christopher Vasey, a naturopathic doctor from Switzerland. Hello, Christopher, and welcome back. How are you? Hello, Mel. I'm fine. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure having you on. Thank you for being back with us after just a, a few weeks. But I, I couldn't help but, but find the urgency of, of bringing you here to discuss a topic that is very dear to us, the topic of life after death. This is one of the, the most important questions to, to all of us. I have to make a quick disclaimer here. When you agreed to appear in Sanitas, our, our sister radio program, I was impressed by the number of books you have written on the topic of health. Usually, you don't find people in this field discussing the topic of uh, death and the afterlife. So I had to bring you on to Veritas, as I said before, to discuss your research. As someone who has studied science, medicine, biology, physiology, etc., for decades. How were you able to find answers to the great question of what happens after we die? Well, uh, yes, I studied uh, health and um, natural medicine, and this gives good answers and information on how to keep healthy. But even if you're healthy, 
there comes a day when you finally die. And what happens uh, afterwards? Does it go on afterwards and so forth? Those are questions that are asked myself, that everybody asks themselves. And But naturopathy cannot give answers on that subject. To answer this, uh, this kind of questions, one has to approach things with a spiritual uh, approach of life. Indeed, there, there are two ways of seeing life. One is the materialist approach of uh, science, and which uh, most people believe in. And this materialist approach thinks that only, is, uh, only what is of gross matter exists. And that if we want to believe in the existence of something, we've got to be able to, to see it. And with this approach, a human being is only a physical body uh, directed by a brain. So for the, these people, uh, death is the moment where the body stops uh, functioning. And when it stops functioning, our personality, our ego uh, disintegrates and we are no more. It's finished. But there's another uh, approach of life, which is a spiritual approach, which considers that matter exists, but there's also other things which exist, which are not of matter, which are invisible, but nevertheless exist. And among the, uh, with this approach, a human being is considered as being an immaterial spirit, that is a spirit taken in a sense of soul, which has incarnated in a physical body and uses this body uh, during its, uh, throughout uh, life. When the spirit incarnates in the body, it doesn't merge with it, it is just linked to it, and this link will uh, last to our last day, and then it will become weaker and then break, and the spirit will, or the soul will move out of the body and go on existing in the beyond, and the physical body will then be left behind and disintegrate. So death is only the disintegration of our physical body, the tool the spirit has used uh, during its, earth life, uh, its life here on earth. Translated from French, uh, the title of your book is To Die is to be Born into the Afterlife. What do you mean oh, by in that? The beyond, in, in the beyond, in fact. Uh, the beyond being a region uh, which is not uh, the region where we are. It's uh, the, the other side, the other world. It's also called the other world. Uh, the world which surrounds us, which we can see, touch, and look with magnifying glasses and telescopes and so forth, is the world of gross matter. And there's another world where the souls of the deceased go, which is called uh, the beyond, because it's beyond the capacity of perception of our five senses. I think most people fear death for a few reasons. Correct me if I'm wrong. Number one, I would say we don't want to have a painful death. Number two, the pain of leaving loved ones behind. And, and three, fear of the unknown. What's your opinion on why we fear death? Well, uh, I think, yeah, uh, when we are not uh, well informed on something and we know it's coming closer and it's going to happen. Of course, we are afraid because we, we cannot master the situation. We, it's uh, going into the unknown. But um, the knowledge of uh, what is death, what happens afterwards, is available and has, uh, can be learned, can be 
learned by people, which will give them a clear idea uh, of what is going to happen, and then they can be more peaceful and not fear uh, death. Of course, leaving behind uh, family members or friends is always uh, a pain. It's the same thing if we go and live on the other side of the world, uh, the, the earth, we won't, and we know we won't see them for, for tens of years. Of course, we are not too happy either. But um, curiously, it is, uh, there's another fear which is never talked about, and that is um, in, in relation with the big law, spiritual law, which has been taught uh, ever since man has been on earth, which is the law of sowing and reaping. What you sow, you will reap. And it's not, uh, it's a spiritual law, so it's not talking about sowing corn to reap corn, but it's sowing all our deeds, words, and thoughts are things we are sowing into creation and that we will reap in uh, the future in order to experience on ourselves what we have done to others. Are you referring to karma? To, yeah, karma. It's also karma, yeah. The, this return of what we have set, uh, done is uh, called karma in the Far East, in the East, Far East. And um, it is the logical reaping of what we have uh, sown. And it's not arbitrary, it's not by chance, it's really what we have sown comes back so that we can experience it on ourselves and see if our decisions, the decisions we have taken with our free will were good, which will encourage us to go in that direction. Or if they are very painful and not good, then we can, with our free will, decide that we can correct the way we act, improve, and go in another uh, direction. And this law is basically known by everybody. And uh, when we die, uh, well, many people, materialists, think that when we die, then it's finished. So they will not reap what, have they so, what they have sown. But that's an easy way out because if this law is a spiritual law, it's universal and it's without exception. And if we have not reaped by the end of our life, we will reap in the beyond or in a future life. And many people apparently are more afraid of this. They know that they have not always acted really well or sometimes very badly and they're afraid of all they were going to reap in the future, and that's why they prefer not to... They prefer to think that with death, everything will be finished, and they will not be uh, called to account anymore. Which is, in in the spiritual approach, uh, an illusion. Uh, We will reap in the future, uh, for sure. This law was taught by all the big religions, also by Jesus, so it's something uh, very important and serious. What or what decides where we go after death and what kind of life we will lead? Well, it's, uh, it, it's the law of sowing and reaping. Because um, when we die, we leave behind our physical body and what goes in the beyond is the soul. I will use the word soul and spirit sometimes, but for the beginning we can... Uh, there's a difference between the two, but to make things simpler, we'll use one or the other. The soul which moves out of the physical body is uh, something which is much more um, lighter 
not as heavy as the physical body. But this does not mean that all the souls have the same weight. And depending, if someone is very uh, kind, generous, helpful, he's a good soul, and he, his, his soul is clear, um, clear light. But if someone is very violent and aggressive, then his soul, he's a bad soul, and his soul is dense, dark, and heavy. And the more someone is good, the lighter his soul and the worse the person is, well, the heavier the soul. So when the soul moves out of the body, it goes in the beyond, and then it is brought to a plane of the beyond because the beyond, this uh, place, the other world, is made of different um, planes which are one on top of the other, the lighter ones at the top and the um, heavier ones at the bottom. And the soul will move up to the plane which is, has the same density or weight as itself. Of course, the lightest uh, planes in the beyond are much uh, places where we can be much happier, more beautiful, where more, the people who are light, have light souls also live. So we experience a totally different thing than if we go in a dark plane of the beyond. So we are... Uh, the souls as they die are distributed in the different planes of the beyond according to their lightness or heaviness, that is their uh, goodness or uh, not goodness. <clears throat> when you say planes, are we referring to dimensions? No, it's more uh, spheres or, or planes. Different, at different level, there are different places where we can live, uh, go on living. And, um, of course, they have a different dimension and time and notions and so forth. But uh, it's when I, I've got the feeling that when one says it's in another dimension, then people cannot represent themselves uh, something. They, they can't have a picture of how it is. But if you talk about planes or spheres, that's another word which is very often used, then they can see planes one on top of the other, like... Uh, uh, the different floors of a, a building, and uh, each of them being a place where we could uh, we can live. Now, what dies and what survives after we die? Well, um, <clears throat> we when we are here on Earth, we are a spirit incarnated in a physical body, and medically speaking, when the heart stops beating long enough and the lungs don't. Um, breathe anymore, then the body cannot function anymore. Uh, the blood is not circulating, the cells, organs stop for functioning, and that's, that's physical death. But that's the death of the tool, the, the, of the physical body, which is a tool for the spirit which incarnated in it. But the spirit is not made of the same material as the physical body because it comes from another plane of creation and that I haven't talked about it but it's usually known that uh, the spirit of man comes from the plane which is at the top of creation which is called the spiritual plane also called uh, paradise in different uh, the different religions so from what I've said up to now uh, we've got at the top of creation the spiritual plane from that's, that's the place where the spirit stems from. Underneath, there, are, there is the beyond, 
It is the ethereal planes. There are different planes in it which become denser and denser as we go down. And then the physical plane, that's where we are now and that's from where from our body stems. And as the spirit comes from the spiritual plane, it has a it is made with different material and it is something which can live eternally. So it's not because the tool is destroyed by death that uh, it stops existing, it goes on existing. It's the same thing if we want to draw a parallel. If we um, go in a car and we smash the car, we can come out of the car and go on walking. We are not touched by uh, the car. Well, except if it's matched with the car. But, <laughs> right. Uh, you understand what I mean? Uh, the car is only a tool. It's not us. And there's a difference between the two. So what dies when we die is only the physical body and uh, not the spirits, our true ego, which goes on existing in the beyond. I but like that. that yeah, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Finish your statement. Now, I just wanted to add that nowadays there's a new definition by science about death. It's cerebral death. Some people who are in a very deep and irreversible coma are said to be, uh, and who have an electroencephalogram which is flat, are said to be cerebrally dead. That is, they are dead because their brain is not functioning anymore even if their heart goes on beating and their lungs go on breathing. And the reason they are called dead is that for science, we are only a physical body, so that uh, our true ego is the brain. When the brain doesn't function anymore, we have no ego, no conscience, will, and so forth, and therefore we do not exist anymore. But it's a very strange definition to say that someone is dead cerebrally, and, and, and considered as dead uh, as the heart is going on beating. And, yeah, it's a bit of a uh, strange definition. Later in the interview, I want to discuss this because, you, as you say, the materialist world says that brain death equals death, but you say otherwise. I'd like to explore that later. But, Christopher, I sometimes wonder if our bodies or vehicles to experience life, to put things in perspective, are just made specifically for the time we experience life on this planet. And perhaps when our vehicle ceases to, to work here on this planet, we simply go elsewhere where another body made specifically for our new life is waiting for us. So of course, most call that reincarnation. We have a, a big universe. So I have a hard time believing that we only come back to this grain of sand we call Earth, when there's a huge universe to experience. What do you think of this? Well, I think that um, the spirit starts its existence in the spiritual uh, realm or sphere or plane. And in order, it has a very light constitution. And in order to incarnate here on Earth, uh, it has to be equipped with a transitional element, something which can act as a transition, and that's the physical body. And this body is, has different instruments, the, the hands to work, the legs to move about, and up in the head, a very powerful computer, which is the brain. And the brain is therefore only a tool at the disposition of disposal of the spirit, but not our true ego. The true ego is the spirit. 
But now, when the spirit leaves, this necessity for the spirit to ha- uh, put on an envelope, a cloak, a physical body when it arrives here on earth, um, also presents itself when it leaves the spiritual plane and goes in the, uh, enters in the different planes of the beyond. So that when the spirit leaves the spiritual plane, it puts on a cloak which acts as a transitional element between it and the plane in which it has just arrived. And this uh, envelope has also legs and hands and so forth to, to function. And when the spirit goes in a lower plane, the plane which is of the beyond, which is just lower from where he is, he puts on another cloak on. He doesn't take away the first one, but he puts one on top of the other, so that the spirit which goes down from one plane to the other puts one cloak after the other, one on top of the other, the last uh, cloak being the physical body which is being prepared by its mother here on earth. So a human being here on earth is a spirit surrounded by different ethereal cloaks and finally the physical body. So when we die, we lose the external uh, cloak, the physical body, and we go with the others, other cloaks into the beyond. And we already have the, the body of ethereal matter which corresponds to the plane where we are going. And in fact, that enables me to give a more precise definition of uh, the difference between uh, spirit and soul. The spirit is our true ego as it is in the spiritual plane. And as soon as we put on one ethereal cloak or several ethereal cloaks, uh, we should be called a soul. So a soul is a spirit surrounded by different ethereal cloaks. And when the soul incarnates in a physical body, we become a human being, an earthly being. At death, what moves out of the physical body is the soul. So I think um, that things makes things clearer. And um, to, un- well, to answer your question, we don't, uh, in my opinion, we don't receive another body. It's already there at our disposal because we've put it on, we've incarnated in it uh, during our descent uh, from one plane to the other to reach the earth. Now, for the scientifically oriented mind or the materialist world, life ends when our heart stops beating and other biological functions stop. The me or I disintegrates or disappears completely since the dead body cannot communicate to, to us what is happening after. To many, this is the death of consciousness. How do we know what happens to our consciousness after we die? Well, um, we know it because it's been uh, explained in different spiritual books. Uh, personally, I refer to a book which is called, uh, a spiritual book, which is called uh, In the Light of Truth, The Great Message. Uh, when I studied uh, naturopathy, I learned about the laws of uh, health. And uh, one day, uh, someone talked about, we were talking about spiritual subject, and he, and he told me about this book, In the Light of Truth, The Great Message. And I started to read about it, and I discovered that it talked also about laws about spiritual laws, which was uh, familiar to me because, uh, in a way, and I learned, I read more and more in this book, and that's where I discovered all the spiritual knowledge uh, I have now. 
And all the explanation I give in my book, uh, uh, Death is to be born in the beyond, are based on the knowledge of that spiritual book. And um, it explains that um, when we die, we go in the beyond, and what happens afterwards? It's not explained uh, in details, but the big laws which govern what happens to us in the beyond are explained. And one is the law of gravitation, which will make um, the soul go up or down to the plane which has the same density as itself, as I've mentioned uh, just beforehand. And it's also the law of sowing and reaping, which will uh, um, make that we will reap situations uh, in which uh, we will experience what we have sown in the past. So depending on the person, what he has done, we will go and experience different things which correspond to what we have done. In fact, here on earth, we are sowing a lot of things, doing things, saying things, writing and thinking. And all this builds a kind of... uh, builds the conditions in which we will find ourselves when we go in the beyond. So there's nothing surprising or um, which will happen by chance in, or in an arbitrary manner. Everything is organized so that we receive what we have sown, experience, and so forth. So what happens is that first the soul moves to a one plane in the beyond and goes on experiencing uh, uh, reaping things which he has uh, sown, which correspond to this plane. When he has learned what he can learn about it and has improved, then he moves to another plane in the beyond where he's confronted to another surrounding which corresponds also to him and experiences different things. He goes on uh, experiencing, and if he learns everything it has to learn, then it will move to another plane and so forth. And the, the, the existence of a human being is to develop its faculties and learn to, to act as a uh, human being with a heart, with love and respect for uh, his uh, neighbors, which are man and animals, but also uh, the creation uh, nature in which it is. And the development path of uh, human spirits, uh, when he's in the, uh, beyond some time, necessitates that he comes back on the earth to experience things in the density, in the heaviness of uh, matter which we have here, which is very peculiar and which uh, enables us to learn a lot because we've got to fight much more to to put our will into uh, deeds. And this means that the spirit has to leave the beyond and come back on the earth. And he, it can only do it if it's uh, puts on a physical body again, that is, if it incarnates again, and that's what is called incarnation, uh, reincarnation. Uh, the, the words reincarnation is used to, de- to, to define the fact that someone has already, uh, is incarnating for the second, third, or tenth uh, time, not the first time. For the first time, we say he incarnates, and then we say he reincarnates. It only happens on the earth. Uh, I mean, we reincarnate here on earth in a physical body. The word is not used when we go from one plane of the beyond to, to another. But why, why does it have to be earth only? When you look at the stars and you see the billions of 
suns and, and trillions of planets. Why only Earth? Well, that's a question um, I'm, I'm not too capable of answering. I think um, one part of the answer is that uh, they might be other places uh, very far away, but that most of our life we pass in the beyond and that to be in, incarnated on the, in gross matter is something special, rare during our existence. It's just the opposite of what we think. We think life on Earth lasts for quite a long time and the rest is unknown and maybe doesn't uh, last for long. But it's the opposite. Most of our existence as a spirit is in the beyond. As soon as we leave the spiritual plane, we go down from one plane to another. All these sojourn on these different planes can last for centuries or, or less or more. And then we go further down And the time we are on Earth is quite, uh, well, it's less than 100 years, shall we say. So it's not too long. So um, I know we are num uh, very uh, numerous here on Earth, but it's a very small number if you consider all the spirits which exist there, which are in the beyond. This poses another question. Are we our, are we our bodies or are we something independent from our bodies? In other words, instead of saying, I am a body, Should we say, I have a body, just like we say we have a, an automobile? Yes, well, we, we all say, we all agree that we are not a body and we have a body because I've never heard someone say, I am a body and so forth. Even a materialist doesn't say that. We all say we have a body because we are not the physical body. And I think that's... Uh, an idea, a thought, which is very difficult for many people, because nowadays uh, so many people have become materialists in these last years even more, because science is so powerful and always saying uh, only what is of matter exists. If something is cannot be seen, it doesn't exist. If someone says, talks about things which is not of course matter, it's not serious, it's not just fantasy. And most people think that they are only their physical body. And that's the difficulty, because when they have to face death, then they, they think, well, it will be the end of the end. But um, it is not, and I think they feel it inside, it will go on. But no, because I've never met someone who's so convinced that it will be the end, that he doesn't care what he does now, or he doesn't care if he dies in the next minutes, because... Uh, It will be finished. He will not feel anything, not exist. And he, he, of course, he will not be happy, but he won't be unhappy or suffer because he doesn't exist anymore. Every human being fights to the last of his strength to keep uh, alive because he probably knows uh, as a spirit that it goes on afterwards and um, that he will also reap what he has sown. <clears throat> You know, I, I think of our hearts, it beats. We breathe without paying attention to it when we sleep. Sometimes we, got, we want to go to sleep, but our bodies are too agitated to fall asleep. Sometimes we don't want to go to sleep, but our bodies too tired to remain awake. There's this dissociation between our bodies and, and our mind. The body follows its own logic, just like a car. I, I keep making that comparison. So yeah. what or who is in control of our bodies? Well, the body, the, who 
is in control of the body when it's on only physical activity. It's the body itself uh, which is so well made by the creator that it can. It's just a, a wonder how wonderful it's uh, it works. And we have different organs; they all work hand in hand. If one slows down, the other adapt, and so forth. There's an intelligence in the core in the body which leads everything, which uh, orchestrates harmonies, harmonize everything. And this is a gift we received. That's the wonderful car you're talking about. We can drive. But the, the driver of the physical body is the, the spirits. We spirits as uh, originating from the spiritual plane, which is at the top of creation. But many people nowadays don't even know about it or don't believe that it is possible if they hear about it they're not to they think well i don't know if it's really possible can we have a soul i can't see it can't touch it science says it doesn't exist and so forth but there are so many proofs that it exists that um, one should open ourselves and accept that there is more than physical uh, the physical world that we are uh, a spirit you mentioned a few uh, facts it's true that uh, we say, I have a, a body, uh, a body functioned with other logic than us. We are tired, but our body is not. It keeps us awake. Um, we can also experience this, uh, <clears throat> that we are not our body when we uh, are w awaken very, uh, very uh, suddenly during the night. Uh, because during, when we go to sleep, the the soul moves out of the body and when we wake up it moves in the body again and um, this movement of coming out of the body and coming back into it is something we can feel because we are this soul spirit which moves out and in and just to give an example so but because it's always good to have something very personal um, a personal experience that everybody can make. Sure. Uh, usually when we go to sleep, we are unconscious from one second to the other and we don't feel anything. But sometimes we can feel for just one or two seconds before we fall into unconsciousness that we are flying away or falling or moving away. And this sensation, feeling, is the feeling, the soul, we as a soul, we feel as we are living the heaviness of our body, of the earthly um, uh, uh, surrounding. But it's more, even more uh, uh, clear. It's clearer when we think of what happens when we are deep asleep. In that situation, the soul is outside of the body, but it's still linked, but um, it is not inside the body. And the body can go on functioning because it's kept alive by the spirit, and, uh, but it can function on its own. If someone comes and shakes uh, someone who's sleeping very deeply, first he doesn't feel anything because his spirit is not uh, very strongly linked to the physical body. But as the person is uh, shaking the body, the blood circulation accelerates the, and the link becomes uh, stronger. And slowly we become more and more conscious that something is happening. And then we become conscious that someone is shaking us. And then he's talking to us and saying, 
get up quickly, there's a problem or something like that. A fire. And this, yeah, there's a fire or something. And this shows, uh, this is something I think everybody has experienced. They can feel that they are coming back into their body slowly, reincarnating after the night uh, sleeps. And if sometimes the return of the spirit takes place so fast that it is not well incarnated in the physical body and the person will feel quite unwell. And he will then react by uh, telling the person who's shaking him, slow down, let me pull myself together or let my spirit come back. And those are expressions which are said spontaneously, intuitively, and which describe exactly what is happening, the spirit must come back into the body uh, or the body must take hold of the spirit again. Those are small experiences, but it's something which someone can live, go through, and which can help him uh, understand that it is a reality. We are a soul, uh, a spirit, different from the physical body, we are independent of this uh, physical body. Now, science says our consciousness resides in our brain. Others say that it's in every cell and organs of our body. And some say that it's, it exists externally in a field of energy outside of our bodies. Is my brain me? Where do you think our consciousness or memories are stored? Well, personally, I think that uh, our true ego, our memory and so forth are not in the brain, but in our spirits. And um, the, this, uh, this intelligence, or what, how did you call it? The consciousness? Right. Uh, no, intelligence, I think you said, uh, is not in the cells. The intelligence of the cell is something different. It's physical, it's the physical body. Uh, we, uh, the, 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 our, the consciousness of ourselves, the, our will, uh, and so forth, is uh, in our spirit. And some people say it's in the brain, but can we say really that a brain can be uh, uh, compared as, uh, to a computer? It works in a similar way. We use a computer, but can we say that our intelligence is in the computer? Well, I don't think it is really... Uh, possible. A computer is just a machine which works in a similar way as a brain, but not, uh, it's, not, uh, it's not the different, same thing. I know that other people say that our conscious intelligence is somewhere outside of the body in the metamorphical fields and something like that. But um, then it becomes a bit difficult to follow because uh, we are we, but we are somewhere else, and in that somewhere else are other we's, uh, eyes, which uh, are part of us, and finally we don't really know who's who and where we are. But uh, we all have a, a feeling that we are ourselves, that we are here, and uh, it's just to, to become conscious that it's not all in the brain, it's also, um, it's mainly in, in the spirit. And our, basically, we know that our identity, our true ego, is in uh, our uh, uh, spirits. Uh, if you call someone and you say, hey, Bob, or someone, and he doesn't, he's not sure you're talking to him or not, he will direct his finger not to his brain and say, 
is it me you're talking about? <laughs> but he uh, put his finger on his uh, plex- solar plexus near the heart and said, is it me you're, talk- you're calling? And this is interesting because um, in the Grail Message, this book, spiritual book I was mentioning before, uh, it is explained that the link of the spirit with the physical body is through the solar plexus and then in uh, the back brain and, and then the brain. And also, quite commonly, it says uh, someone, our true ego is on, in our heart. Someone who has, is very spiritual has a, lot, a great heart, warm heart, and so forth. And the heart is just beside the uh, solar uh, plexus. Uh, well, just uh, by passing, <laughs> I wanted to, to tell about this. So, um, yeah, I, I think there are many theories about where are, is our ego and so forth. I can only talk about the one I've learned, studied, checked, and so forth, and which I'm convinced is uh, correct, and give example to show that why it is, is, it is, it must be so. I think another thing which we could mention, which is a good proof that, uh, and a greater proof, I don't know how you can find one, to, to a proof of the fact that we are not only a physical body and that the brain is not our true ego, and that is the near-death experiences, uh, NDE for short. In this situation, people who have died, therefore whose heart has stopped beating, brain stopped working, and so forth, were, thanks to the reanimation techniques we have nowadays, were brought back to life. And these people said that when they were dead, in fact, they did not stop being, and they did not stop existing. They were conscious. They could move about. They met people. They talked with them. They thought of exchange and so forth. And this experience, it goes. There are different uh, uh, things which happen during those near-death experiences. But basically, that's the the point. They went on existing. They say that they could feel themselves move out of their body and that they could see their body then in front of them like an, uh, an external uh, observer and that they were quite surprised and a bit shocked because, of course, we identify ourselves with our physical body so much that to, to see it in front of us is, of course, a very surprising experience. And that's where they thought, well, I must be dead because I'm not in my physical body uh, anymore. And then they moved further along. Well, uh, maybe we can talk about it later on. But basically, these people who experience a near-death experience say, when I was dead, I was not dead. I went on existing. I went on existing outside of my body, my physical body. And if it were only a few people, we could suspect that it was fantasy or they were trying to pull our leg or something. But the uh, researchers have been carried out all over the world and it is estimated that there are now today about 100,000 well-documented cases of near-death experiences. And that the total number of people who have experienced a near-death experience is 50 million so it's not something rare. It's something which is uh, taking place in, a, in great numbers. 
And all these people who belong to different races, countries, speak different relig- uh, languages, belong to different religions, are young or old, they all said it went on after we, I was dead. I came out of my body. I experienced different things. Well, if you think about it, well, different people attacked this, uh, this, the, the, the books or the, the idea and give different reasons which were shown as wrong by the people who studied near-death experiences. And, um, but if you think the, the gifts of this uh, experience, of, of this uh, event of near-death experiences happening so, to so many people, we live in a materialist world. Many people think it doesn't exist. Uh, uh, we stop existing after death. And the best proof they would see that it goes on is, as they say, that someone who's dead comes back and say it goes on after death. And now you've got uh, 50 million people who came back and said it goes on after death. Well, what's, what do you want more? <laughs> I mean, everybody should be convinced that there must be something serious in it, and it shows that we go on living after death. There's no question about that. And, if, and as it's not with the physical body, it, must, it is with something else. It's with the spirit which we know about, all th- uh, we've been taught about all through history. Absolutely. And speaking of NDEs, I recommend to our listeners that if they want to, to learn more about NDEs, listen to our interview with Daniel Brinkley. It's a, it's a great interview, the work of Dr. Raymond Moody as well. But entertain this scenario, Christopher, for a moment. If our heads were transplanted and my body or, or your head was sawn into my body and mind to yours, would your head in my body still remember all your memories and vice versa? I think your, my head... Um well, I'm ashamed to say it, maybe, but it's empty. My brain doesn't store so many uh, information as we think. Um, it's only nerves with dendrites which correspond and so forth. But where this, the, the stock uh, of information I have in my head are, uh, where, where I just said it, in my head, it's not in my head, it's in uh, the soul, in the spirit. Um, and... Um, so if you if my head was uh, transplanted in on you, in in your my body, body mm-hmm. yeah, um, I would not necessarily be incarnated to this uh, body. It would be you. So you would be with the same uh, knowledge as before, but you would have to use my brains, uh, supposing it was possible. And but you would stay your personality and with your knowledge and uh, absence of knowledge in some fields. Because it's all question of uh, you and uh, um, what is in your uh, spirit. The, the brain is only a tool. That's uh, the way I see, see it. I don't think you would be act, uh, starting to, be, to act like I do or speak like I do or know what I, do, uh, I know. Because that's, it's, the knowledge we have is not in, in our uh, brain. <clears throat> I can give you a, a, a proof of it if you want to. Um, sure. We have in our head a, 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 a brain area which is responsible for the words we use when we talk. 
And when someone has uh, an, uh, how, how do you say, uh, when the vessel uh, is clogged, gets clogged in the in the head, oh yes, if uh, you, a stroke, a yes, stroke. Right. When someone has a stroke, this center can be destroyed, and the person cannot speak anymore. Loses, for example, totally the capacity of uh, ability to talk. The explanation given by science is that all the words which he uses to talk are stored in this center, in the structure of the center. The center being destroyed, then the words are not there anymore and the person cannot talk. He can think because the, the, the words we use to think, uh, uh, for thinking are in another area. But that's the explanation of science. But some of the people who have lost the capacity, ability to speak can, after a few months, uh, speak again. Another area of the brain has been used as a, as a center uh, to speak. And the person can speak not only uh, a few, uh, the, his uh, mother tongue, but also other languages who, which he had taken many years to learn, and all that just in a few months. So how is, this, is it possible for him to learn all that just in a few months? I mean, feed the new center with all this information. It's just not possible. Uh, even these people didn't relearn the language. But all the stock of words were somewhere else outside the brain. And the area in the brain is just um, a link to express ourselves here on Earth. I know it's a totally different view of things than science, but uh, this explains that um, this shows that the words were not in the brain; they were somewhere else. They were in the spirit, and they were they could be used by using another area in the brain. Well, you bring two things that that came to mind. Number one, you probably have heard of the foreign language or foreign accent syndrome. Somebody becomes close to death or they receive a bump in their head and they wake, they go into a coma and then all of a sudden they wake up and they start speaking a language they never spoke before. Now, what is the scientific explanation of that? Well, I see two, two explanations. Uh, one is that um, he knew this other language. He, he, it's in its uh, spirit. He knows how to speak it. And that's why because of the strange situation and the, maybe the shock or the injuries about, which brought about the coma, it, it suddenly comes out. That's one possibility. Or another possibility is uh, possession. Um, a soul in the beyond can take hold of the brain of someone and act through this brain for some time. Uh, this is what is called possession. And therefore, the, the soul in the beyond maybe talks another language and uses the body to express itself in, in this other language. That's, uh, well, it's a bit uh, um, a, a gory story <laughs> about possession, but uh, it is a possibility. Each spirit, my spirit, is linked to my physical body and no other spirit can uh, link itself to, to me except if I become very weak, spiritually speaking, or open myself by doing a lot of occult uh, practices 
or, or, or there are different reasons which um, enable sometimes another uh, a soul in the beyond to use the brain of someone who's incarnated on earth and that's called possession but if someone is strongly there uh, busy uh, active and so forth it cannot happen it's it only happens in a very specific situation what about uh since we're talking about the transplantation or transplanting of our heads, for example, what about cellular memory? Obviously, the cells may be absorbing those memories of the experiencers, those who are living on this plane. And I say this, I had a friend years ago who who received a heart from a young man who died in a car accident. He was in his 50s. The young man was about in his early 20s. And after a few months my friend started developing tastes that he never had before. He was a horse breeder. He loved classical music, country music. All of a sudden, he started developing a taste for more beats, music, uh, popular music, uh, hot food, food that had a lot of uh, you know, flavor, which he didn't have before. And then when he spoke with, with the family of the deceased, the, 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 the young man who gave his heart, they said, oh, our son used to like this type of music. Our son used to love hot food. Is there a possibility that that heart all of a sudden received some of the memories of the deceased? But, um, I'm not sure that I understood. Did he uh, get uh, an organ? Yes, a heart transplant. No. Ah, yeah. Um, and the heart, he received the heart of the other person and, and acquired, it seems, uh, the, the taste and so forth yes. of the other person, the person who gave the Correct. organ. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, personally, I don't think that the cells in the body can uh, record. I know I'm going against uh, many theories which are given nowadays. Uh, the cellular memory I don't, is something I don't believe in in the way it's taught nowadays, all that is spiritual are, are thoughts, um, are, uh, love for music, our kindness, and all that is not stored in, our, in the cells of our physical body. It's all uh, stored in our uh, soul. And when uh, the heart of someone is transplanted to some, into someone else, it's a heart, it's a piece of a machine, and uh, it stays what it is, and it cannot influence uh, spiritually the other person. But it's true that, and it's a fact you've just told us about a case, that the person transplanted sometimes develops uh, taste and uh, interests in things which he didn't have, but the, the, the giver of the heart uh, or the organ had. I think here what can happen is the fact that uh, the soul which has, no, the person who has given the heart is uh, a soul in the beyond who might be a bit uh, in the, near the, the, the person who was transplanted and influences him in, uh, in an ethereal way, in a psychic way. But not that it is something in the body. It's, I think it's more an influence from one soul to the soul of the other. Okay. Now, is the brain... Have, first of all, have you seen the movie Avatar? Okay, no. well, just for the listeners, just bear with me here. Is the brain used as a tool 
by an active and independent self, external to it? Yeah, well, external, uh, yes and no. It's What uses it is something external in the sense that it is the spirit which uses the brain. But when the brain, uh, the spirit is incarnated in the physical body, it fills in the whole body, uh, a spirit, and that's an, a notion which is given in the great message, the spiritual book, that a spirit is, has a shape, a human shape. And therefore it fills in the, the physical body, and therefore the, the spirit is inside the brain. Uh, you, you understand what I mean? Sure. That is... Um, it is used by something external, but which is locally uh, situated partly in the brain uh, during the incarnation. Now, if we are to believe, once again, I know some people don't believe in reincarnation, but bear with me for a moment. If we are to believe in reincarnation, when we incarnate, does the mind merge with the body or do they remain separate? Like, like the sand in the ocean, they are together but separate at the same time. Exactly like that. Good picture. It's like water in the sand. They are together, but they can separate again. And the spirit is in the body. They they are together, but it can move out again of the physical body. And what happens, for example, with the mind-body connection when we fall asleep, and even when we're half asleep? Well, progressively, when we fall asleep, the link between the spirit and the, the body weakens, so we are less and less connected to the earthly realities. That's why we perceive them more or less and less and less, and then suddenly not at all anymore. And then the spirit is, uh, when we are sleeping deeply, is, should we say, beside the physical body. It is not under the pressure of the physical body and the brain, and therefore it can regenerate itself uh, much uh, better than if it was uh, in the physical uh, body. And that's why, that's one of the reasons why we need sleep, because it enables the spirit to regenerate every now and again, get uh, new energy from up above to carry on uh, another day. And it was this, when this happens, is during the REM uh, phases of uh, dreams, a rapid eye movements. When we dream, it can be very superficial, but they are sometimes during our four, five, six times during our night of sleep, just for a few minutes, we are in REM, R-E-M uh, phase, and that's where we, we, we dream very uh, uh, strongly. Vividly. That's where the big dreams are. Yeah, and that's where when the spirit is experiencing something out of the body, and this sleep is very necessary for for the spirit to regenerate. And it was discovered that if uh, experienced that if as soon as someone uh, goes into this phase, these phases, he's w woken up and not allowed to go in this phase, he becomes um, very depressed and his health goes down very quickly because there's not this regenerating of the spirit which is um, necessary for us. You know, interesting you say that. I, I wear this little bracelet now for health purposes to, to know how much I have slept, how much uh, I have exercised, and so on. And I'm looking here, for example, last night. I was able to sleep eight hours. 
two hours and 23 minutes of sound sleep. So many, many people would say, wow, that's nothing. But it doesn't take that long for the, as you say, the spirit to be renewed every night as you fall into REM sleep, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's why some people, um, like people driving a boat across the ocean alone, uh, they never sleep eight hours running, but they, they go and sleep 20 minutes. And during those 20 minutes, they fall in REM and they are regenerated for a moment and they, they start again and so forth. So, so it's... Um, yeah, these phases are very important. Sir. So it's not the quantity, it's the quality of the sleep then. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, to, to end this segment, I just want to say that so far, the only testimony we have about life after death is from people who have experienced a near-death experience or who have literally died and have been brought back to life. They have retained their consciousness. They could still hear and see what was transpiring while they were medically dead. They essentially had an out-of-body experience is this the same experience some people go through when they're half asleep the same type of out of body experience in other words are people deprived of their physical bodies but can still communicate um yes someone who's not in his body anymore can communicate um for example when someone is has died his soul moves in the beyond and the soul in the beyond can communicate with people on earth and, and this shows that without a physical body, it is possible to communicate. There are two different kinds of communication. One takes place uh, with a person on earth who has lost someone, a relative or family member. Two or three months later, the, suddenly the deceased appears in front of the person during when the person is awake. Uh, the, so the person on earth can see the person and the, the deceased the per, uh, then can talk with the person and say usually it's to console and encourage the, the person who's uh, very sad about uh, his death. And, well, for example, a mother after two and a half months after the death of her son who died in an accident saw him suddenly appear in front of him in a kind of hazy uh, appearance and uh, this, the son smiled at her and said, Mom, stop crying about me. I'm doing fine. I'm in another place, and everything is going well for me. And this is not only one testimony. It, is, it has been made, uh, thousands of them have taken place. And this shows that uh, there is somewhere we, we, where we go after death. We go on, on existing. It's possible for these souls to communicate with us here on earth. But the, the other way, the other possibility is that a soul in the beyond uh, will uh, communicate with people here on earth through a medium. The medium is someone who's very sensitive to uh, the, what's happening in the beyond, and he can be used by a soul in the beyond to transmit a message to someone here on earth. Mediums have existed all through history of man. There are still many now today. Some are good, some are not so good. But uh, nevertheless, the process of receiving something from the beyond and transmitting it has taken place so many times that it's very difficult to oppose such a reality. And it shows again that someone outside his body, well, without a body anymore, a soul in the beyond, can still communicate. It 
has the ability to think, to, it has a will and so forth to uh, will to to want to communicate and different things to say. All these are proofs that uh, after this it goes on. We are not only a physical body. Not so much. So many things are in our brain. It's much more in our uh, spirits, our soul, and um, well, there are proofs and proofs and so many proofs that uh, people must open themselves to them or um, and read about it, and then they'll be slowly more and more aware of it and finally convinced that it is a reality. And this is a big help for them uh, or for us because then we don't see death as something very dangerous which had to avoid in in any case that um, we don't know what will happen, it's frightening and we, we, we don't enjoy life because there's always this death waiting for us somewhere. As soon as you know that you are a soul, you will move out of the body at death, it will go on, people you leave behind, you will meet again in the beyond or when you reincarnate, Death is not the end. Well, all this is very reassuring, consoling, in and in accord with uh, the love of the Creator we've uh, learned about. It would be very surprising that God, who we know is love and justice, would make us live, exist just for 80, 90 years, and then fall into dust uh, after all the efforts we make to improve, to to become kinder and so forth. It's, it, it, there's something not logical in there. Um, and that's a reason more, uh, I think, that it is not so. We we go on living. There's a possibility, in fact, of existing in eternity if we uh, do the efforts to uh, live according to the harmony of creation. And to do that, it has been explained in all the big religions, is to uh, believe that there is a God which has created everything. He has created the world and wants it to function in a certain way. He's got given the possibility to many different creatures to, um, to live in it, and we have to respect the possibility of existence of each uh, individual, I mean, all the different human beings and animals and so forth, in order to be um, a welcome guest in creation. And therefore, if this is the case, and if we learn to, to act in such a way, then we are allowed to live eternally in creation. Well, not here on earth, of course, but uh, in the spiritual plane in, in paradise. And some people think when they hear the word NDE, near-death experience, that this is something maybe from the 1970s or 80s, but this is something that has been discussed for thousands of years. We look back at the epic of Gilgamesh 4,000 years ago. He discusses more or less the same experience as what people today describe. But we have to take a one and only intermission. The name of the book, this is a book written in, in French for those who speak French. Is it ever going to be in English, Christopher? Well, I hope so, but uh, there's nothing planned for the moment. That's fine. Well, the, the title translated is to die is to be born into the beyond. But you also have several, several other books that our audience can benefit from, especially if you haven't listened to our interview that we did on Sanitas titled Natural Remedies for Inflammation. It was a wonderful 
wonderful interview. Great feedback from people who said they listened to it multiple times. So go to Amazon, take a look at uh, Christopher Vasey's books, not only on, on inflammation, but he has so many others. And uh, I was very surprised to see that he also wrote a book on what happens after we die and the beyond. All of this when we come back. This is Malfabregas. And by the way, do you have a website, uh, Christopher? Yes, I have a website uh, where I present my different books. There's a picture of the book, a summary, the, the content of the book, and different articles related, related to the subject of the book. There are also videos, and uh, my website uh, address is uh, Christopher Vasey, in one word. Vasey is V-A-S-E-Y dot C-H, C-H. So ChristopherVasey.ch. Excellent. And when we come back, I want to ask you why you think we use the expression passed away when somebody dies or goes out of existence. And I want to discuss also the eight stages of near-death experience and also talk more about the beyond. So much more when we come back. This is Mel Famergas, and I'm here with my special guest, Christopher Vasey. You're listening to Veritas, and please don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important Veritas interview. If you enjoyed it and wish to listen to the rest, go to VeritasRadio.com, click on Members, or subscribe. Or tell someone else who will enjoy this and all our radio programs. If you are listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase pure organic sulfur, detoxified iodine, supplements, a USB drive with all our shows, gift certificates, rebounders, and much more. Now, we'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the Veritas member section. Enjoy.
of Dolores Cannon, and you're listening to Veritas, which means truth. That's what it means. (laughs) 